As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Aren't you interested in learning breakthrough wealth building strategies, such as how to flip a home in less than two weeks using other people's money with no real estate license, or how to build a low-cost home-based business? You can discover how to take passive income from any source and invest it into real estate, stocks, or business to become financially independent investing in any market with Residual Roads Business Institute. Collaborate with Andre and other Residual Roads advisors to create a free action plan and start implementing strategies today. Go to www.residualroads.com or email info at residualroads.com. Welcome to the Investing Uncensored podcast. You've been searching for different ways to become financially independent or generate passive income to live out your life's purpose as you've seen others do it, but need insight on how. Well, get excited because here you'll discover the tips and resources to fulfill that need. Andre Stewart has spent more than a decade successfully making it happen for himself and others. This is the Investing Uncensored podcast. And now here's your host, Andre Stewart. Welcome to another episode of Investing Uncensored. I'm your host, Andre Stewart. And today we got a special guest, man. I'm excited to bring Stefan on the episode because he's going to talk to us about some alternative asset classes that we can invest in that'll give us a higher return than the stock market. You know, I'll talk to you guys about crypto and farmland and things like that, but he's going to give us some additional things that we can invest in. So I'm excited. So, Stefan, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Pretty good, man. And before we talk, you told me that you were in Australia, man. That's pretty cool. So tell us a little bit more about the co You know, you're the co-founder and CEO of, you call it alts.co. Tell us a little yeah. bit more about that, man. I, I saw that you guys have like 35,000 subs. So shed some light on us. Hey man, we got a lot more than that now. We're growing like crazy. So basically, yeah, it's a newsletter, investing newsletter and community, also an investment fund. Okay. So we're going out and we're we're exploring new kind of esoteric exotic asset classes that other people just aren't talking about or thinking about that much. We write about them, we explore them, and then we try to find the best assets within those those asset classes so that we can acquire them for our Alts One investment fund. So yeah, that's kind of the way to think about it. So give me a little bit about your background. I mean, that's pretty cool. I like that you guys are are fun and you also guys have a newsletter giving us information. Give us a little bit about your background and how you got started with alternative investing in the first place. I came from the world of micro private equities. So micro buyouts, right? We're talking hmm. buying and selling businesses under a million dollars. So from that world, I, I developed a, a due diligence framework for evaluating the underlying true value of a lot of these businesses and kind of learned how to 
think about that asset class as an alternative to the stock market. Okay. During COVID, uh, like so many other people, you know, kind of became a, a creator, so to speak, during COVID and just started writing about it, grew the newsletter. Around that time, there was a, another newsletter that I really enjoyed. It was by this guy named Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wyatt go on to become my, my co-founder. But at the time, we just kind of ha- we both had newsletters. We were both writing about alternative investing. And I, I basically just kind of called him up one day and I'm like, hey, man, we're kind of doing the same thing. Like, I really like your style. I don't want to compete with you. Like, why don't we just join forces and like build a company together? Mm-hmm. It's funny because we're both Americans living abroad. So I live in Australia. He's American. He lives, lives in Spain. Okay. We never actually met in person. But yeah, we decided to start a company together and kind of fuse our newsletters into one and create an investment fund. And here we are uh, two years later. It's funny because I was going to ask you guys, how did you guys meet? You know, you have a co-founder and generally you don't have a co-founder that you never meet or don't even know him. So you just cold emailed him, I'm assuming, to get his information because you was reading his newsletter. I think we were just kind of like following each other on Twitter and kind of like talking about the same stuff. Like it was interesting because I was kind of coming at the world of alternative investing through, again, through like micro private equity and, and mm-hmm. buying and selling websites and digital assets and that kind of thing. And but I started to realize there was so much happening with like collectibles and uh, alternative real estate and some of that interesting stuff. And so uh, Wyatt, you know, he was kind of talking about collectibles and he'd actually developed a framework for evaluating collectibles based on their grade mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of other factors. And so we were kind of doing the same thing, but coming about at it from different angles. Mm-hmm. And that's why we thought it would be great to, to join up together. You mentioned buying online companies. You used to work at a company called Flippa. That's an interesting place to work, I'm sure, because you're buying different businesses and selling them online. Tell me a little bit more about your experience working there and what type of business you guys are buying, because that's kind of gave you the idea to start the company that you have right now, I'm assuming. Flip is a marketplace for buying and selling websites, usually under a million dollars, although it can go it can go higher, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I love that world. I love the kind of Wild West nature of these micro buyouts and you know, I kind of took a lot of the learnings from there and applied it to this new this new venture. I mean, one of the, one of the ways I've done that is, you know, for us to grow. You mentioned thirty five thousand subs at the beginning, correct? But yeah, I mean, like it's it's we're at seventy five now, and it's like, okay, well, how do we get there? Yeah. We got the, a big way we get there is just through through newsletter buyouts. So we're going uh-huh. and we're actually buying micro media companies and, and other newsletters. So kind of that wheeling and dealing that that's you know one thing I learned um, from my time at Flippa. That's pretty cool, man. As far as that goes, I did also see that you had a eBay company and you were bringing in like three million in sales. Why'd you stop doing that? The industry I was in was video games, and okay. as I got older, I kind of just fell out of love with <laughs> with the industry. Uh-huh. You know, it's like I didn't, I didn't, uh, I just didn't love the industry anymore. It's really what it comes down to, and so I think you know that's fine. Like, but if you don't have a passion for something, you really you kind of owe it to yourself to to not you know do that or to to kind of go where your passions are and. Like with all, it's like, I mean, yeah, like I have a huge passion for this stuff. I'll be doing this for the next 10 years. I just love it. So yeah, I'm, I'm really happy now. How long did you do the uh, eBay thing? I'm just curious. I did it for, I mean, it was, it wasn't a flash in the pan business. Uh, I want to say about six, seven years. And, you know, we, we had some really great years and then we had some not so great years too during the 08 crash and all that. And we recovered, we, you know, it just, it never kind of also got black back to the, the glory days that we used to have. And like... The other thing is like gaming's changed a lot. Like so much of gaming, you know, went into mobile gaming, right? And like we just weren't set up for that because we were like kind of like, you know, folks that were selling console accessories, repair parts, games, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And so as like mobile gaming took over, 
it just wasn't who we were anymore and we didn't really adapt that well. So we actually sold the business on Flippa, believe it or not, which is kind of funny. <laughs> years later, I would, I would, you know, be the head of product there. But it was funny because like at the time we sold a business, sold the business, like a lot of people didn't realize like, oh, you can just buy and sell, you know, small businesses. It's like, Correct. yeah, like now that's like second nature. You got like MicroQuire, Empire Flippers, a whole bunch of other folks that are doing what Flippa is doing in different ways. You know, Flippa was definitely the first. They were way ahead of their time. And I mean, when I sold the business on Flippa, like, I couldn't believe it existed. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Because we sold in like a week or something like that. And like we got more than expected. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty cool. So just I was talking to one of my friends the other day, and he was telling me about mergers and acquisitions, which is basically what they do on Flippa. Yeah. Is there any kind of specific and this I'm just giving other people insight if they have businesses that they can sell? Because no one really knows about this space. Like it's a private space that people don't know about. Is there anything in particular, like business-wise, that they're trying to sell on Flippa in these type of platforms? Or is it more like you put a business up there that's online and they'll just buy it? I mean, Flip is pretty broad that way. Like one of the things that I loved bringing to the company when I was there is my team developed a, a structure so that you could basically buy and sell a whole bunch of different stuff. It doesn't have to be a website. Hmm. So Flip Ahead had like the ability to sell domains and apps for quite a while, right? So other digital assets, but we we really kind of like blew that door wide open and started to uh, allow basically any sort of digital asset, right? So that could be like a newsletter, for example, could be a, a YouTube channel, all sorts of different things. Um, I, I'm, I haven't been there in a while, so I don't know exactly where they landed with 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 all of that. But yeah, I mean, the sky's pretty much the limit. That's that's the way you know we saw it at the time. That's for sure. Man, pretty interesting, man. I like it. So back to you and, and your alternative investments. Can you give us, I guess, some insight on some good examples on what you think would be a will give us a better return than the stock market would in the alternative investment class? So I, I want to be clear. I don't. The goal with alternative investing isn't necessarily to beat the stock market year over year over year over year. It's to be uncorrelated with the stock market, which. Mm -hmm. When the stock market is down, we'll definitely have a better chance of beating the stock market. But over, like, we have nothing against the stock market. Like, like over the <laughs> long run, the stock market is is definitely shown itself to be like the the best, basically the best long term investment for sure. But you know, if you're just, I mean, the problem with stock market investing, especially now, is that like everyone's just kind of following everyone else. Like all stocks just go up and down together now. Now there's exceptions and you know what have you, but it's all just one big line. Even like crypto. Which you know was supposed to be the original hedge against the stock market. It's basically just a levered play on the S and P now. Like Bitcoin and Ethereum, basically just you know just a, a, a volatile tech stock. Right. There's some diversion, but there's not really a ton. So that's where you know stuff like artwork comes in, and wine, and music rights, and debt financing, and all the sorts of you know managed funds and and interesting you know collectibles and alternative assets that we, that we cover i mean this stuff much of it has nothing to do with the stock market right and and these markets go up and down as well and they're somewhat related like when you're in a general bear market they're not going to be flying high necessarily but you know sometimes even through the the muck they're doing well i mean look at wine right now wine it hasn't missed a beat like wine over the last 9 months is doing much better than the S&P 500. And it's not particularly close. Mm. We, you know, artwork's doing really well. We also, we, we look at really exotic esoteric stuff. So markets you didn't even realize existed. Like we just bought our first barrels of tequila for our fund, right? So 
Uh, we bought barrels down in Mexico. Yeah, they're going to age three years and then we'll either sell them or, or keep aging them. But we really like tequila as an investment. Mm. We're out there buying comic books, vinyl records. Vinyl's awesome. Vinyl holds its value extremely well, especially right now. Mm. We are, what else? We just bought the world's second most expensive concert poster. I mean, what is concert <laughs> poster? So I, but it's an alternative asset class. I mean, it's, it's basically uh, exactly what it sounds like. It's a poster from, you know, the 60s. It's a Grateful Dead poster that we bought. It's in pristine condition. And there's a market for that. And we bought like the holy grail of concert posters and it's extremely good condition. Mm. So this is the kind of stuff we're going out and doing. So then with that being said, what are the components to look for when you're trying to do something like this? Every market's different, but they all have a few basic kind of fundamental truths in common. Like number one is scarcity, right? So Say what you want about NFTs, but I think the big problem is that like they're just fundamentally not that, you know, NFT artwork is, is fundamentally not that scarce. Like anyone can make it, a thousand variations. It just doesn't have that much value. Like the high end of the NFT market, you know, does, but most of them are just don't. So you need scarcity for sure. I think you need time, right? Mm-hmm. That's the big thing. And like, that's what people like, you often talk like what makes something vintage, right? You talk about the word like vintage this, vintage that, like, mm-hmm. is it because it looks old? Is it because, no, it's just time. Yeah, it needs time to show its value and show its worth and prove its value, you know, over the years, over the decades, right? We also the big one big thing with with collectibles the is grading, right? So everything's all about condition. You could have like a comic book that is in horrible condition. You could have that exact same comic book that's in pristine condition. The difference in price is tremendous, absolutely tremendous. I mean, there's a couple of different grading mechanisms and companies doing it, but. You know, for example, like the difference between even like a 9.8, right? And like a 9.6 is, you know, tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars, typically mm-hmm. with stuff like comic books. And and there's grading for all sorts of different asset classes. So grading is important for the collectibles. Not to cut you off, but the grading part, like, how do you know this? How do you, how do you say, for instance, I have a, a bunch of comic books in my room as an example. What do you do? How do you tell from the grading? Yeah, so you got to get them graded. <laughs> That's uh, the key. Okay, got it. So got yeah, it. like the difference between like a graded and ungraded copy is it's not even in the same ballpark. I mean, if something's not graded, a baseball card, sports memorabilia, if it's not photo matched, the, the grading and the quality are, are really, really important, right? So you got to get this stuff graded. You can just send it to the companies. They have a bit of a backlog right now. There's a couple different grading companies, but you basically just send it off. You ship it off to them. And you wait a few months and they they do their work and then they they send you the grade and, and they put it in a container that is like where it's totally protected and it's got mm-hmm. the grade on there and it has the serial number and all that stuff. So yeah, I mean if you if you're sitting on something good, man, with your comic books, like look for early edition stuff, old stuff. If it's in great condition, get it graded, man. Could be could be worth some money. You got any websites that you can, you know, even even like my son has some basketball cards, you know, things like that. So do you have a website that someone can go to that it can like enter these things in? Yeah, absolutely. So like the two big ones to know about are like PSA and CGC. They're they're both they're both great trading cards. Um, they use a standard one to ten scale. BGS also uses a, a nine point five, like a half point. Mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would I would go with either uh, you know PSA or, or CGC. Hmm. Okay. I'm gonna yeah, Pokemon cards. Pokemon cards can be worth a lot too. He has like a folder full of those, and we just got like a ton of um. What do you call those? Upper deck is the upper deck was the I think yeah. upper deck, one of those. So yeah, man, I'm gonna definitely look into that. It doesn't cost a whole lot to get stuff graded. You know, it's like you know a couple dozen dollars. You know, thirty, forty, fifty dollars. If you want fast turnaround, it could be a lot more. But these companies are pretty well, you know, trusted and yeah, definitely uh, worth looking into. Can you do something in bulk? Say, for instance, he has like 
a hundred Pokemon cards or a hundred gaming cards. You just send them in. Yeah. The, the problem is the turnaround time. I mean, it, it, right now, like like CGC's grading is taking 133 days, right? Oh, wow. So it's just, it, it doesn't, you don't get it right away, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but not with everything. Like books, you can get books graded, right? And if they're over, I think like $3,000 in value, you know, you can you can get those turned around in like 10 days. So they've got a big backlog with cards just because sports cards kind of had a real boom during COVID. And yep. yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of different things you can get graded. So, some stuff just there's no real grading for it yet or no professional grading. Like and that's actually kind of interesting. Like so like vinyl records, there's really no professional grading for it yet. And so that's actually I don't know if it's helping or hurting. Yeah, I don't know if you have, if you have friends that have like old records. Oh, man, vinyl vinyl is like. <laughs> great alternative asset class like do not throw your records away don't sell them for pennies like good records from the old days man oh hundreds of dollars each yeah That's what i'm curious about because my dad has a record had a, has a record, a record collection that i'm probably gonna do, try to get so just for instance let's say give me a give me a good artist from back in the day right yeah so like artist. the beatles are classic you know pink floyd led zeppelin or even like you know you go back to 90s hip-hop if you have like a pristine like copy of like you know dr dre's new i mean this these are hundreds and hundreds of dollars they're worth i mean you can get into the thousands real quick i mean it's really oh yeah this because you know nerds like me collect them and like (laughs) (laughs) yeah it just they don't make them anymore you know or they'll do right but with with vinyl it's all about that first pressing if you have the original press right that's the stuff that Mm. is really worth money and with vinyl it's it's interesting because like they're kind of delicate by nature, right? It's not like, you know, other asset classes where they're, they're just sturdier, right? Like with, with a lot of vinyl records, it's like, the, it's just cardboard sleeve, which can get so easily damaged and all that. And mm-hmm. the actual record, the media itself can get scratches and dust and all that right. stuff. So like, it's just very delicate. So it's so tough to find something that's in like mint, pristine condition. But yeah, oh man, if you have something from the old days, that's like original press and mint condition. I mean, you're talking hundreds and hundreds, maybe up to thousands of dollars. No, so what's without- the most... What's the most you've seen someone get for something like what you're talking about right now or just anything? We bought we for our fund, we bought a copy of the Beatles White album that was owned by John Lennon. We bought for we got a fifty thousand dollars at auction. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like I mean, anything signed, like uh, we're looking at buying a Queen record right now that was like signed by all the members of the band Queen. I think it's yeah, ten, fifteen thousand dollars that area. I mean, yeah, it, it gets if it's signed and it's in great shape, oh yeah, it's in it's a keeper. <laughs> ever thought to yourself, I wish I could get into real estate investing. You can change this as quickly or as slowly as you want to now. Imagine yourself networking and making new connections in real estate globally or buying an investment property in a market or country that fits your needs. People do. They know what I'm talking about. And now you can too with InvestFAR. Connect and join the network. Remote investing made safe and easy. What type of alternative investments do you guys like for the fun? Like, I guess, give me your top five that you look for for yourself. Yeah, so we actually don't go back to the same five over and over. We try to be as broad as possible. So, I mean, the first thing we bought was a Daredevil comic book, number one, pilot graded comic book. Then we bought some graded toys, original Star Wars action figures that were sealed from the 70s. So that was pretty cool. Um, then we we went and we bought some uh, British modern artwork. There's an artist in Britain who uh, named Bridget Riley who she she makes kind of like 
she's from the seventies, but in eighties, but she, her art looks like it could be produced by a robot today. Like it's very digital oriented, right? It looks like it just lends itself well to social media today. Right. So she's still alive, but she's, she's getting up there. And, you know, unfortunately in the next decade or so, you know, she, she probably won't be with us anymore. And so not to be morbid, but that, that does add to the, the value. Yeah. So we, we bought, we bought some of her stuff at auction we bought uh, concert posters, tequila, whiskey, wine, we're looking at short-term rentals right now. We're kind of waiting for real estate to fall a little bit more before we get into that game. I happen to love short-term rentals, vacation rentals. I think they're terrific. They, they, I mean, they, they cash flow like commercial real estate, but they're priced like residential real estate, which is a great combination. I, I just, I just love that industry. So we're, we're looking at some short-term rentals and some alternative real estate plays in the next couple, probably six to twelve months as real estate continues to fall. So yeah, I mean, we run the, it runs the gamut. I mean, we, we get into all sorts of crazy stuff. So is your fund based out of Australia or is it U.S. based? It's a U.S. domiciled uh, fund. Yeah. Okay. okay. And it's funny you mentioned art. Art took a crazy, it went up like, you know, insane over the past two years. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. At least in the U.S., like everybody was selling art. Oh, yeah. It changes value so much. I guess I'm thinking if someone has art or someone has some of the things that you're talking about, we don't know where to go to sell it. I mean, this is my first time hearing about these things like this coming from someone like you. How do we sell this? Like, where do we sell it to? Do you have a website or how do we get this? these things. So after we get them graded. So, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of different ways to sell graded merchandise. Tried and true eBay is fantastic, okay. right? I mean, we've been around for a long time. That, that's kind of like the, the best starting point, mm-hmm. but there's all other marketplaces that have popped up. Uh, one that we like is called alt.xyz. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of a, they, they have, a, they have a, actually, they have a sports card investment fund as well. So they're doing a lot of interesting stuff with sports card marketplace. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a whole bunch of different places. It just depends on the market. I mean, so like for vinyl records, you know, Discogs is the place to go. It's D-I-S-C-O-G-S. Huge marketplace for buying and selling records, CDs, cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not too big. I wouldn't get into those probably. you. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and, and what's great about a lot of these marketplaces is the data, right? So they, they've got so much data. You can see all of that data like what the price history looks like over time. Is it rising? Is it falling? At what rate? What the long-term appreciation looks like? When something's a deal? When something's overvalued? What the average price is? All this stuff matters and especially Mm -hmm. matters for us. I mean, we're looking for stuff that's criminally undervalued in the long run because it's a 10-year fund on our side. So we're not looking for quick flips or anything like that. Mm -hmm. We're looking for stuff that's just clearly going to be valued highly in 10 years. That's why we we're getting into stuff that like is long-term play, right? Like, you know, farmland is a great example. We're looking at buying some farmland for the first time. That's not quick flip stuff, right? You don't, no one buys farmland and sells it a year later. Like that's like a 15 year hold, you right. know, maybe, maybe seven to 10, right? Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, I think you need patience to be an alternative investor, truly. And Farmland, where you guys think about buying Farmland at? Yeah, so there's a couple of different platforms that have popped up. Our favorite is AcreTrader. Mm-hmm. So that you just buy and sell farmland shares of farms all over the US and Australia. Farm Together is another one. There's a couple of different platforms, but they're really starting to come into their own. And there's also some interesting platforms that are uh, kind of marrying farmland investing with something called regenerative farming, which is basically it's really good for the planet. It prevents topsoil erosion. I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but there's some interesting stuff we're looking at there. On the topic of climate change, we're also looking at climate change protected wine mm. as an investment. So basically investing in some vineyards that aren't producing a ton now, but will be producing quite a bit because as the climate changes that they're going to do better over time. That's more of like a 30, 40 year play though. So we're not totally sure if we're going to get into that. But yeah, there's all sorts of interesting markets out there. So then Australia, you know what I mean? I know how the economic climate is in the US. What is it like in Australia? I know housing prices, you know, they did the same thing that the US did. They went up in value tremendously. Are you seeing the market start to come down there as well? Or how's it looking? So just to preface, Australia is absolutely obsessed with housing to a degree that even as an American shocks me. Like, I mean, I, you think Americans are obsessed? Nah, like Australia is like a step above, man. It's pretty wild. But yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of, a lot of people that are in the real estate market here. Home ownership is very high. People Mm -hmm. tend to over time become truly quite wealthy just from owning property here. It's, Mm -hmm. There's a huge influx of folks from China that come and buy up the property. Australia has 30% of Australia is, no one realizes this, but 30% is born overseas, right? So it's mm. that's twice what it is in the US. So there's a huge immigrants per capita here. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot from Asia, a lot from China, right? So in Southeast Asia. So that helps with the real estate. Now that said, it got out of control, especially in like Sydney or where I, where I live in Melbourne. Yeah, over the past decade, like just absurdly high prices. So it has started to fall for sure. The interesting thing about Australian real estate is that there's no fixed rate mortgages here, 30 year fixed rate mortgages. Unlike the US, where that's like standard, hmm. everyone's on very vari- almost everyone's on variable mortgages. So as interest rates go up, those payments really start rising uh-huh. and people feel it. So that's really finally bringing down housing. So yeah, it's not a crash or anything yet, but they're definitely falling. Ultimately, like in the long run, it all goes up with Australian real estate. But yeah, I mean, people are starting to feel the pain here for sure. I know so you lived in Santa Barbara for like 15 years. So what you know how foreclosures work. Are you seeing, and with variable interest rates in Australia, have you seen an uptick in foreclosure or that is not a thing in Australia? Oh, it's definitely, it can definitely be a thing. I, I confess I haven't checked the, the latest data on it. In fact, that's a good thing for me to do this afternoon. I should probably check up on that and see how it's going. Yeah, no, look, foreclosures are definitely on the rise. I, I, it's not as, you know, I think, we'll, we'll, I don't know if we'll ever see what we saw in the US in like 07, 08 ever again. I mean, that was... You know, that was a once in a generation kind of foreclosure kind of opportunity. And, you know, we shouldn't be callous about this stuff. This is people losing their homes and and it's it wasn't pretty for a lot of people, you know. Right. But yeah, I think you're starting to see that in the U.S. a little bit. Not a ton. Australia, not a ton yet either. But, you know, who knows? I mean, 2023 could be very interesting. So then my next question is, I know in Colombia, I, I invest a lot in Colombia. And in Medellin, oh. you, you can't really get mortgages. You have to put either 50% down or 60% down and then they'll finance the rest of it. But other than that, almost 90% of the people that own their homes in Colombia. Is Australia the same way? Can you get a mortgage there or no? Oh, you, you can definitely get a mortgage, but it'll be a fat one. <laughs> <It's all laughs> this too. 
So what's the what's the median price for a home in in, in Sydney? It's down to one point one million in Sydney. That's Australian dollars, one point one million. Oh, so okay. as an American coming, you know, exchange rate is really helpful right now. So I mean, you can get a house in Sydney for you know seven eight seven seven hundred thousand dollars US, which is not too bad. Mm-hmm. But that was that's down. So it's fallen from about one point four to one point one in Sydney. I think Melbourne, it's fallen from about one point two or three to, to about one million. There are other cities in Australia, but those are the two main ones that everyone looks at. That's fascinating about Colombia. I'd never heard that before. That's really interesting. That's Latin America. For, even in Costa Rica, almost Central and South America is the same. You can't get a mortgage. It's, it's super tough. Fascinating. Absolutely but, fascinating. But the farmland there, like you mentioned, I've talked about farmland in Panama City and in uh, Colombia, and they have hectares of where you can buy farmland that already has producing fruit and all kinds of things like that. So it'd be a good place to look if you think about getting in farmland because you can get like you know, 20, 30 acres for two years ago was 45,000. I checked again. Now I doubled. It's like 70, 75,000. Question is who's, who manages it, but you can't just sit on farmland and help it for it to, you know, I mean, that there's a whole, you're buying a business, right? You're, exactly. buying, you're buying a business. Yeah. yeah. They're already turnkey. You just put the money up and they already have like two or three people that manage cool. the farmland and things like that. That's cool. That's yeah. great. Yeah. But most of the farmland platforms I've seen are centered on the US. That is changing though. There's a company in Europe called Landex, which is it's not actually farmland. It's just rural land in Europe, Eastern Europe, a lot of like Estonia, a lot of the pristine forests in Eastern Europe that they're there that you can buy up now. And so, yeah, there's all sorts of opportunities out there. One, one interesting one that we we love to think about sometimes is there's a couple of websites now that let you buy a private island, right? You can actually buy your own island, but it's honestly, it's like the worst investment ever because you got to develop it. You got to build yeah, all the uh, okay, okay, okay. structure. Okay. It's like like if you've got billions and you've got nothing to do for three years and yeah, sure. Fun, but, yeah. <laughs> oh, that'll be me in like two years, hopefully. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Last question, man. As far as your, you know, you seem to be tapped into the global economy. Obviously, you live in Australia and you lived in the States and you just moved to Australia two years ago. So you kind of know any kind of investment advice, and this is not investment advice, but any kind of recommendations you would give based on the current you know, state of the economy where people should invest alternative investments, land, real estate. What's your thoughts on that? Look, I just think the key is to just diversify, right? Like if, you, if you're doing the same thing as everyone else, like where's your edge, right? Like how are you any different? And, and like in the long run, it doesn't matter because if you just put it in equities, you know, I mean, we all know Warren Buff. Like it's just, <laughs> it'll all work out in the end. It's just in the meantime, how are you really going to be doing anything different? Where's your edge going to come from? How are you going to be any better than the next guy or girl? You know, you're not. If you're just basically investing in tech stocks and like, doing what crypto and like doing what everything else everyone else does. So it's really smart to, to diversify, get into, you know, put a portion of your portfolio into alternatives. Professionals recommend about 30% into alternatives. That does include high-end alternatives, private equity, you know, debt financing, income, private credit, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, 30% is kind of like where the, the smart money has kind of had it for a while. So now we have the luxury to be able to do that, even if we're not billionaires. And it's it's a great, great time for, for alternative investing. So I, would, I definitely recommend people get into it. I agree. I agree. And my last question too, your fund, you guys look for people to send you things to buy, or you just strictly you know, raise capital and buy things for your own portfolio? So we basically just looking to buy. We haven't, we're not like actively like selling it. We're, we're basically buying and holding for the long run. So okay, okay. The, the, the usual person who invests in the fund is someone who, you know, reads our newsletter, who's in our community, who uh, understands that we know our stuff. We've studied a lot of these markets. We understand, we, we, we t- do our due diligence, really take it very seriously. And then when we're ready to pounce, you know, we, 
we buy. So it's it's a it's about a one point one point eight million dollar fund. So it's not like a, a huge fund, but it also allows us to you know kind of get into stuff that other funds don't think about or talk about or touch with a ten foot pole. You know, like we're out there, we're not competing with other funds for these assets, right? Which makes it really cool. So yeah. And the return that someone will get and what's the minimum investment to get into your fund? Definitely can't promise any returns. That's for sure. <laughs> like uh, you can get in a lot of trouble by promising returns. We it's an aggressive fund. We are looking, you know, for for aggressive returns. If you go to alt.co slash funds, you can kind of get more information there. But um, in terms of minimum, that's an easy one. So you do have to be accredited. You can be anywhere in the world. Unfortunately, it's a reg D fund. So you do have to be accredited, but you can be any, anywhere in the world and it's a twenty thousand dollar minimum. So it's a commitment, right? It's the kind of thing like your your money will be. You know, you'll, it'll be tied up for a decade, but it won't be correlated to the stock market. It'll be completely independent from what everyone else is doing. And that's the goal. And for you guys that try to figure out what a credit is, a credit investor is someone with $250,000, right? In assets or more. Depends on the country. Yeah. In the US, it's, I believe, uh, an income of 250 or a net worth of a million, right. excluding your primary residence, which is a key component. I personally think accreditation laws are total BS. I don't want to waste time and get into it. Uh, I don't love them, but they are what they are. And yeah, it depends on your your, your jurisdiction. But in the US, it's I believe it's uh, yeah, 250 income and or 1 million in net worth, excluding your primary residence. Correct. Man, I like it. A lot of good, good information, man. And I shared a lot of stuff like that information on, on investing on Tensor as far as alternative investment. Because I always tell people to get outside of the country. Whatever country you're in, it's good yeah. to get your assets in another country because if something happens, right, then you're you're stuck with that. Say something happens in the U.S., what do you exactly. have now? Right? You don't, you don't have any kind of cash available anywhere. You don't have any assets anywhere else and you're screwed. So absolutely. I mean, honestly, like I'm not a doomsayer. Like I think the US will be fine in the long run. We're going through a little tough time maybe yeah. right now, you know, but it's it's never unwise to diversify. Right. I totally agree. I think that investing in other countries is extremely wise, you know, not to pump Australia at all, but like it's a safe country. One of the wealthiest countries in the world. Economy is doing great. People are happy. It's a good place to, you know, to consider investing in. That's for sure. I might have to link up with you after this. Get some information on those foreclosures you're going to look up. <laughs> Let's go in together, man. Let's do it. I'm all about it. Oh, man. Last Actually, question. You know, what's funny here? you know, it's funny in Australia, real quick. When you buy a house, it's all done through auction. Literally really? auction. Yeah. Like old school, there's an auctioneer. Uh-huh. Yeah. 100% there's like people gathered around and it's like, you know, 600,000, 620. No joke. That's how everyone, almost everyone Every house. Buys. Yeah. Un- unbelievable. Unbelievable. Insane. Yeah. 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 You got to go to a lot of auctions. Just get one house. Huh? Yeah. Oh, you lose a lot. That's for sure. People cry. <laughs> I mean, it's like a big deal. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm going to sign that task to you and I'll just send you the money. How about that? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right, man. Top three books you recommend. I always got to ask this question. Some people don't read, but I like to ask, you know, you got to this level. You had to do it through reading books. <laughs> oh, man. I. You know what's funny? I, there's a couple that come to mind. What One I really loved was by Bill Bryson, and it was called A Short History of Nearly Everything. Mm-hmm. And it, it's basically a book about all the stuff you should have learned in science class and in elementary school, but we all just forget, right? Like, there's just so many, like, fundamental things about the world that, like, we kind of know a little bit about, but don't really know, like, a ton for being adults, you know? This book was awesome in that it just, it, it basically just explained all those concepts like you were five and it made it super fun. You know, I think that that was definitely one that, that really affected me personally. Another one was a guy named Poe Bronson years ago wrote a book called What Should I Do With My Life? It's not what you think it is. It's not like a self-help kind of book. It's basically just a bunch of stories about different people that took different paths in life, how they got into those paths, 
Some of them are interesting. Some of them are kind of boring, but it just shows you like, you know, most people just don't really have like a plan, you know, and they just kind of fall into what they're doing and it, but it all makes sense in the long run. And it kind of gave me the confidence to just go and start a company. I thought that was a really important book for me in my life. The third book I'm actually going to balk. I'm going it, to, it's not a book. It's just newsletter. So obviously like we're a newsletter, the newsletters are a huge part of, of what we do in, in our life. So I don't actually read a ton of books anymore. I read a ton of newsletters, just an absolute metric ton of newsletters. Uh, I can give you some of my favorites, but uh, we're running out of time here. Maybe I'll, I'll pop them in the chat after and I'll send you some and uh, people are interested, they can uh, check them out. Sounds good, man. I thank you for coming on and hope to have you on again sometime, man. Likewise, we'd love to come back. Thank you so much for your time. All right, man. Take care. See ya. Aren't you ready to start a business or grow your real estate investing portfolio? If you answered yes, allow Andre and the expert advisors at the Residual Roads Business Institute to fast track and put you on a path to full-time investing. The greatest transfer of wealth in our lifetime is occurring over the next few years, and you can take advantage if you know what to look for. In order to be successful at real estate investing, you need to learn how to leverage your current resources to generate quick money, big money, and retirement money. Let Residual Roads Advisors craft a plan to get you through these phases using little or no money in six months or less. Don't wait for a job, create one for yourself and others. Go to residualroads.com for mentorship and for our free course, go to residualroads.thinkific.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.